0: What's up everyone, this is Pastor Sam, and this is Danny, and together we're exploring The Letter of Ephesians. Oh, you got it right this time. got it right this (laughs) time. I
1: was listening to it, and I was like, I kept saying book the whole time.
0: (laughs) The Letter of Ephesians. And we're in the last chapter, Danny last Um, chapter oh man it's good to end something isn't it it is it's always good to come to a completion or something yeah you feel fulfilled
1: yeah that's that's what i mean i don't mean like oh we're done with no like we started something we started Mm -hmm. on this journey and and now we're at the we're at the end of it and uh it's it's we will get more but for this section for this time but i mean
0: we you know if you think about it we have for six weeks or so you know read the whole book of ephesians studied uh the letter uh, did I say the book? Dang it. The letter of Ephesians. We uh, we studied. We uh, share information. I'm I'm sure those who are listening have done the same. Have studied, have listened, participated on the Bible studies online But that we have participated on, on the sermons. I mean, hopefully when people, you know, sit down and think about it, they come to they understand that, man, I know Ephesians a little bit, a lot better than I did before. Or maybe you like being you know christian for a long time i have known ephesians for a long time you're like you know what there's some new new information i got yeah
1: yeah and as we carry to jump into this final uh chapter which is chapter six uh i just want to give a little, little brief overview of where we're at where we've been and where we're going to go in this section so paul describes the blessings that god has prepared for the church and he offers to god for these he goes on to explain that these are available to both jews and gentiles right we talk about it in that chapter and it's for those who come to Christ. He Now, he's going to finish the letter by outlining the response and the obligation that God seeks from the church mm-hmm. uh, because of these blessings. So these obligations require the church to live righteously. Over the last several chapters, we've been talking about the conduct, right? You talk about putting on the image of Christ. You know, I talk about the imitation of Christ mm-hmm. and um, how this can be seen in a loving attitude, a holy and a saintly attitude lifestyle I like that word saintly mm-hmm. and last of all faithfulness which is the subject of this letter uh, this chapter concludes the letter by establishing faithfulness as the crowning glory in the believer's proper response to god's offer of salvation and the blessing that comes with it
0: wow so like
1: that. this chapter is kind of it's not weird in the sense but it's kind of like it's unique because some of chapter five kind of mm-hmm. leads into the first nine mm-hmm. verses of chapter yeah. six mm-hmm. that Continues what I call the, the orderly, like God's a God of order. So in that section of passage, the second half, the back half of five, he really talks about the relationship between husbands and wives and, and the mutuality that is there. And then he'll pick up here in chapter 6, verse 1, talking about children and then going on. So that's kind of kind of brings the, us to where we're at, sets yeah, the
0: stage. The, the, um, one of the things that uh, theologians talks about is the family code, the marriage code. If I would have been given the the job of pars- rechapterizing? yeah, re-chapterizing, <laughs> I would put verses twenty-two of chapter five. I would start chapter six there. Yeah, because it, it starts by giving you a detailed teaching on marriage and sh- and how. And, and what is the expectation from God to God's people and how husband and wife should work and so it gives a detail while you know giving it also a vision of what it should be like how how the household should behave Paul gave his extensive remarks to husband and wives and on the how they should be distinctively Christian how they should behave as a Christian individuals and now here he returns to to some other parts of the of, of the families. So other members of the household. Yeah. Children, right? Slaves, master. It is all these household codes mm-hmm. that Paul is trying to address yeah. here. As with <clears throat> marriage, this actually is ultimately tied to the exhortation that Paul gives, like say, listen, watch. You mm-hmm. guys gotta watch here. Yeah. Watch how you behave, right? Didn't yeah. chapter five start with be imitators of God? yeah right so that's all part of that that same uh, that thread that's weaving
1: all the way through it's about a conduct how we to live that righteous living Mm -hmm. that saintly living which is Mm -hmm. what I'll talk a little bit about but yeah he weaves this path until to to your point yeah if you were gonna do it you start
0: with chapter five or or either I would keep going chapter five and stop chapter five at the uh, verse 10 of chapter 6 yes. or would we'll start will start chapter 6 at the 27 i don't know does that yeah, make yeah. sense to, you
1: know? yeah it's just more to let to let those listening here like you know you have to look at the whole letter not just a part of it because it's very easy to look at one part and apply that but it's the whole thing and, and that's that's the beauty of of Paul's writing here is that he's giving instruction for everyone mm-hmm. no matter your age no matter your standing in chapter 6 verse 1 he now turns the attention from the husband and the wife relationship to the children right verse 1 what he says now children obey your parents and the Lord. why sure why should the parents why should children obey their parents
0: well if they want to live long
1: they want to live long right that's yeah. the number one responsibility given by god to children is to obey parents
0: Man, obedience is such a, a tough one, <laughs> right? Like, it's easy to demand obedience from our kids, but it's so hard to obey our parents. Well, like us as, parents, as dads, right? Uh, we who have kids, I mean, it's so easy to demand obedience from your kids, but so hard to obey parents, right? Well, if you think it's about so it, it's so easy to ask your kids to honor you, but so hard to honor our parents.
1: At, once, at one point in time, you were, you were a child, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're a parent. Sure. So, like, you are... It's in some ways... You well, I don't some know.
0: Of, once a child, always a child. Well, true. But I'm saying... Once a parent, always a parent. Well, I
1: guess that's right. You're you're always one of the same, right? So, this is this is all-inclusive. It's, it's about our behavior. We, we just don't stop being one way to our parents, right? No, no, no it, yeah. It's, it's, it's a not. model thing. Like, a lot of times I think of it as, like, with my son. Like, how I treat my parents. Mm-hmm. He, he sees how I treat them, right? So, when he gets like an adult, how is he going to treat me, you know? So, it's about demonstrating and modeling biblical honor mm-hmm. to to your to your parents so like what he says because it pleases the lord and there's so many references in the bible where we find this in colossians chapter three it says children obey your parents and everything so this pleases the part Lord. Part of the Ten Commandments. Part of the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. you know, in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs twenty two, Proverbs one eight. Uh, but but
0: so- why would Paul say this here? And I think that one of the reasons, uh, I mean, I don't know where you're going there. I'm sorry, I cut you. But no. why is Paul saying this? I think that was a cultural norm that Paul is trying to uh, go against. Here, all those who lived in in Roman Empire had this. Deeply ingrained set of cultural norms, cultural expectations concerning the household that was against biblical norm, been against biblical principles and, and what God wanted for it. So the role expectations were defined by the culture, and Paul was saying like, no, 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 you don't allow the culture to define the expectations and the role of a, in in a home. We're gonna bring that back to the biblical expectation uh, what god wants for his people right so the attempt to reorder the life of, of a jewish individual within the context of the roman empire well, i think was important for what paul was trying to to do here so i think that's like i think that's the biggest reorientation that paul is trying to do here is to put in order of what god intended rather than the, order the culture of the time and part of that culture of the time it was not a obedi- obedience to the father was submission to the Father, Mm. right? So there is a very big difference between obedience and submission. Uh, Obedience comes from the willingness of the heart. Submission is imposed upon you, right? Yeah. So submission is a forceful thing. Obedience, it is not. Obedience is a personal decision to give ears to someone in a humble way. Yeah, so you're saying it's a hard thing because you can force your kid to
1: because i think that's no you mean, can't part your kid that's though. what yeah, that's mean. what the honor thing comes in though right because honor is a thing that can, can honor come anywhere outside from your heart no no
0: both of <clears them throat> those are honor is a diff- different different lo- word for honor is respect yes. right so both of those things happens in the heart if you're just saying something to your father to someone out of respect but you don't mean it do you really honor that person? Do you, are you really respecting that person? Or are you just saying what that person wants to hear for that moment, yeah. right? Jesus says, what is in your heart comes out in your hands, comes out in your mouth. It's, it's out of the heart the action of love, man comes out. I, I mean, I have seen a lot of, you know, even me at some point in my own parent career, have tried to make my kid obey me. You don't make mm-hmm. nobody obey you, right? you don't have that power Uh, obedience is a personal choice towards someone then submission that's a different story you can beat someone in submission right you can make someone submit to you for sure by manipulating situations by physical abuse by mental abuse by uh, you can submit make someone submit to you in so many different ways that's not what God is asking here Right, And, and here's the other thing, so when I said the word submit, it is important that there is a, a place where Paul seems to tell the wife to submit to the husband. Isn't that there? Yeah. As the church? Yeah. So it is important that that people understand that word too. It's, it's on verse 24, because then I need to clear that up. Because it says, Wife, submit to your own husband. That word, submit. So here's I'm open a can of wine. Okay? (laughs) Can I do that? Yep. The word submit is not in that text. Mm. In the Greek, that's not in that text. It's implied. So in the Greek has the word gine, which is wife, tos, odios, aner, which is wife, particularly husband. So there is a particular way of wife must behave towards her husband. In the English, they try they put the word "submit," but that word is not in the Greek. I wish I could show you here. Mm-hmm. Now, verse twenty-two: "Wives, submit your husband as the as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. So his gift is not a submission of; it is just a order of things. Mm-hmm. That's so what God, you fall yeah God's in. a God of order, so He's yeah.
1: showing the order. He starts with the Husband and wife, and then he moves down to the next, like the chain of command, and how 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 you can compare it to.
0: Yeah. So earlier on, though, like it says on verse twenty, say give thanks always for everyone to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. So then there that word shows up again. That word submitting, that is translated but that's a place in order. That's what the word means. Hupataso means to be placed in order, to place under in orderly fashion. So it's not like that word submission, how we have it in the English or how we we we, we some of understand of it yeah. is today, is that like, you got to submit to me. Like, you got to do what I'm telling like, or, or else I'm going to make it. No, 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 that's not what it is. Yeah. It just means understand your order, your placement, and always choose to be under someone instead of being on top of someone. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So in verse 20 there, give thanks always to the Lord for everything in God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another. So don't try to be better than somebody else. Just submit to somebody. Find yourself, humble yourself underneath someone. There's benefit that comes from that. We can talk about that some other day. Then here goes, wives, submit your husband. So once again, don't be too proud. Don't be too... <laughs> there is there is honor. There is uh, honor and there is benefit of understanding that you are placing yourself under someone. That's what that that, that word there means. So, like I said, on verse twenty-two, that word is not there. And then on verse twenty-five, when it says, "Husband and your wife, uh, husband love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, he, that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of her feet," isn't there another submit there? No, it's, it's on twenty-four. It's on twenty-four, which I already read. Um, there submit. Right there that words not there again so on both of those verse 22 and 24 the words just not there so you understand your order yeah you're
1: saying it's all about a willingness to not see yourself above another person but follow the order in which God had designed it right this is God's design mm-hmm. for the family mm-hmm. he said you know it's the, the women and the husband and wife and now he's saying here's my design for the children yeah and he's talking about children and he says hey children obey your parents, obey your parents. for this is right it's, it's about action and attitude, right? It's mm-hmm. about how we're to do it. And I think what you're trying to say here is that should all come from the heart. It's a heart thing and how we see how we see things, yes. right?
0: And then the word obedience there is just the word to give ears to. Just That's what yeah. it is. It's just give ears to someone, to your dad and to your mom. That's basically what that word really means. Uh, in the Greek, is hapatakou, uh, to obey, which means to hearken, obey, to hear what someone has to say. So. But then there is this, uh, so, I mean, every kid wants to talk about that, you know, the word honor there, honor your father and mother, that's, yeah. a, that's a very important word. I, I always try to say this, if you can honor your mom and dad, how, is in, the, how in the world are you going to honor your your God? Yeah. How are you going to respect God? The word there is to respect, the word honor there is the word to respect.
1: And, and that's the whole thing here, like which we'll read more in today in the second section of these verses, 7 verse 5, but I don't think we're done yet with the top sections. No. Uh, it talks about everything that we do. Is, it's, it's an obedience to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that's what you're... If you can't obey your parents, you're not going to obey your Lord. You're not going to obey the Lord. Right?
0: Yeah. And, and so on verse 4, when it says, Father, do not provoke your children to anger. Like God doesn't provoke anyone. No. He doesn't tempt anyone. He doesn't provoke anyone. So it's kind of parallel in our relationship with God and our relationship with us. Uh, in many ways, this text is parallel in our relationship with one another, with our relationship with God, yeah. and our God relationship with us. So the word provokes, not there. Once again, I, I'm not trying to say, you know, that the transition is just, a, it's the English thing again. Father, does it should be, does not well, anger I, your children. Yeah,
1: well, I think, I think you know, from the word standpoint, the word itself is more about, don't bring, don't bring things out of your kids that is not righteous, that is not sure. godly. Mm-hmm. Right, and when we provoke our kids, when well, when we when we push our kids to act in a way that that is unrighteous, ungodly, you know, that's what he's that's what he's saying here. Don't do that because your God doesn't do that to you. That's right. Right now, ask a question here. What do you do if you're in a, if you're in a relationship or a situation or a family life where you don't have that, where the dad is provoking is? is forcefully mm-hmm. making the person and i'm not saying that i'm saying just the family unit itself sure, sure, sure. What that's happening well, what, what, what happens there what what do you turn to
0: well and, and i think this is where it gets a little tricky right like i think it get it get a little trickier how can you discipline your kid without making him angry when was the last time you got disciplined and you didn't get upset about it you didn't get angry about it i mean Every time, Every time my mom disciplined me, <laughs> you're mad. I was mad. Every time my mom said stuff that was true about me, guess what? I was mad. Every time my dad, still today, corrects me, I get what? You get upset. get upset. So I think here is getting more with the intentionality of it than really the action of it. Because right. you can't control, you can't control a lot of things. I'm not trying to make excuse for any parents or me or you. Yeah, yeah. But you can't control what will make your kid upset. A minimal thing could cause your kid to anger. Right? Yeah. Because that's on them in a sense, too. So I am I not saying that there's behavior that parents should not take. No, no, that's not true. Parents at a lot of times, because of the authority that they carry and the position that they carry on, feel like that they can do whatever they want. And I'm not so sure that is the point. That that, that is true. So, if you are intentionally doing something intentionally to cause your kid to anger because you know that will provoke them to, then that's what it is.
1: Yeah, and I think it's very hard looking on the surface to see if that's happening, right? Be, but uh, we know that God is in control of all situations. He sees those things. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that God disciplines us because why? Because He loves he us. us. He loves he us. Loves it us is, it is yeah. out of love, right? Yeah. So, as parents, a good parent... Will discipline their child because the Bible tells us in Proverbs that train your child up in the way that they should go and it'll be well with them, right? Yeah. That's what that's a that's a promise from the Lord. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So as parents, that's what we're to do. And to your example, yes, does it make our kids angry at times? Absolutely. It does, right? But the thing in that though is that you and I have today, maybe other people have, is perspective. When you look back on those times that your mom disciplined you, or Mm -hmm. your or your dad disciplined you, Mm -hmm. you see now the purpose of which they were doing it. For sure, yeah. So so I think that's the thing as parents uh, who, are, who are training their child up, who are not afraid to discipline out of love versus the not make him angry. I think that's the thing that God blesses because it will go well with them. Now, go back to our original question. What happens, right? See, this was never God's design for the family, but we live in a broken world. Sure. And as a result of that, we have broken people. So, But God is the perfect father. Mm -hmm. right where i fail i always tell my son like i'm going to fail you in so many things right but god will never fail you god will never fail he is the greatest father there ever was Mm -hmm. never is right Mm -hmm. so that's the father we're to look to that's as dads you and i fellow dads we look to how how, be a father like god but we want to point them to him
0: that's right that's right right.
1: we want to point them to him because ultimately that's the that's the father that we all looking for looking
0: to yeah i i, I had a course not too long ago with someone who talked about well, i ruined my kids i was like what, what was the, what was your expectation <laughs> what were you thinking you think, think perfect guy raising you, kids <laughs> yeah like what do you what was your expectation and so if your expectation was that you would get it all right throughout 18 20 22 years of this kid life Oh, man, that's Mm -hmm. a weight. I'd rather say, hey, you know what? I'm going to mess up. May God's grace abound in this situation. Then to think that I'm going to get it all right at all times, and then my kid's going to be perfectly fine. Well, that's just not true. Uh, Now, there is getting it wrong, and then there is just getting terribly wrong, Yeah. right? When you're just living life doing your best, then your best doesn't add up to good necessarily it's okay you did your best if I, I always tell myself tell the parents this if you're using your best knowledge your best intention in order to guide your kid well but it didn't pan out well it's okay you did not know any better did you use all the resources that you have the knowledge that you have the biblical knowledge that you have that you put your heart into it did you try to do the best for okay, okay. Kid? I, i'm leaning you know at first i was saying like but god has told
1: us how to do it sam god has said like this is how to do it, how, how to raise our kids, right? Sure, okay, sure. So I'm with you now. I, I'm tracking with you now.
0: So now, well, like, if you get the Bible, you read the Bible, and you're like, yeah. okay, I need to discipline my kid, and I need to do this, and I need to do that, and, and I have the best intention in my heart to put my kid on this right track, but in the end, it didn't work out, because the kid is the is own thing, too, is the own being. You can't control that. It doesn't matter how much right you do, you do not know the reaction in the kid's heart. It's just it's just impossible to calculate yeah. that and to be blamed or to glorify yourself yeah. for the outcome of it. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah, yeah. It's a too big of a weight for you to say, well, you know what? I messed up on my parenting. This is what the kid has here. Or how many kids came out for really messed up parenting in It had great creeds, followers of Jesus, great men, great women. And how many kids were in, in the families that mom and dad was together, they loved each other, they gave it everything to the kid, and so on and so forth, and the kid. Why? Why? It is not about the mom and dad only. It's about the kid too, so yeah. it's about the whole thing. So I, I think what was, I'm trying to say is not you can't, parents yeah. can't take the blame for the whole thing. We can't take the blame. Parents can't take the blame, but parents
1: also need to recognize that when they are discipline, they are disciplined out of love and not out of anger. Sure, right, for sure. I, and I don't want to get into the whole discipline talk on this yet, but with the reason the primary person that God disciplines his, his children is because He loves them, mm-hmm. and the primary person that, the reason that we discipline that kid is because we love them yes. and we want to raise them up in the way that God should go. And what what I one of the things that you were talking about that there is like. We're continually planting seeds i see it as that we're continually planting seeds in our children's life right and and we're hoping that those seeds eventually take root and they grow and then they grow to become like trees that grow to become strong and rooted in in the biblical mandate that god has given to us and that's why verses like these are important because we love to train our kids hey obey your parents right mm-hmm. but there's some there's some verses for us too as yes, well yes. that we need to kind of hold on to yeah so i think we could talk forever on this, we this can, section we can. but i think we need to move on because we're uh we want we want to hit a couple more sections and here. then they talk about born slaves yeah born servants. It's, it's interesting because the context of this right at the time there were slaves and slave master mm-hmm. um paul paul he just says obey your." what he says there's a key word there earthly masters, yes, right? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the servants and the masters have an ultimate master. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's God, right? Yes. Um, and he goes on to explain like, you know, sincere heart and this this escape section over here, as you would Christ, mm-hmm. as you would God, you know, a lot of us don't like certain things that we do, but we do it because we want to honor God, right? Sure, sure. honor God. There's, a, there's a verse of how we work, we may not like the job that we do is but if you do the work as if you're doing it for God, with the perspective that you have. That's what Paul is hinting here at, you know, he's not condoning slaves. And, uh, and, and slave
0: masters. It's just a culture at the time. Well, well like, you know, there's a, a big topic big in America, topic, yeah. you know, this whole racial equality and all this stuff. And uh, I have been asked not too long ago, why did God allow? Uh, the, the argument was, why didn't Paul combat slavery in, in the first century? And What what most people, you know, most people don't understand is that if there was no blue-collar worker back in the day That wouldn't be a society functioning then as if there is no blue-collar worker in today So we read slave for sure, for sure, you know, because they were probably not treated the best They were not treated the best. I can't say that. But Paul is trying to To bring some kind of awareness on the masters here like listen, you gotta treat these guys nice too. It's it's got to come to a better end for you and for your bond servant if you uh, serve that person as that person serving you. That's the whole point of this area, of uh, of verses 9 and uh, verse 9. And and to your point, this section of the passage is not talking about our current
1: views on slavery and stuff like that. In fact, slavery in Israel at the time, so everything always starts off with with a purpose and then it gets muddied and gets corrupted mm-hmm. to where it's at so slavery in israel was a type of bankruptcy law right? yes it was yes, like yeah. talk about jubilee and yeah, all that yeah yeah but this time the government doesn't stop person like they lost all their debt they can sell the only thing that they have left which was their ability to perform labor mm-hmm. right so so this is where that kind of came from yeah but obviously with in the roman in the roman times there's the roman empire that may have been a forced thing sure right things that Conquering you, thing. conquer anything yeah, and then you become yeah. Sure. so it's under it's important to understand the context of some of that stuff but paul is not he's not uh saying like hey continue to be saying listen if you find yourself in this situation where you are serving and you have a you have a master serve your master well as you would christ sure and i think that's what he's really talking about here because. He, he's he's addressing all types of relationship. If you think about it, mm-hmm. this not only extends from, to like a, an actual slave person and a master, but people who today who are working for a job. Yeah that they
0: don't like their job, but or their what? boss.
1: Or their boss, right? Yeah, they don't so, like their boss. <laughs> and then
0: they, they think that they can rebel and do whatever they want. Yeah. Uh, well that's not you, so you can't. No, you can't. That's it's a workplace relationship that Paul's that's talking uh, about when that's he says bring it to, yeah. Yeah, when he says uh, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers. How many people are doing a job when the boss is looking around, but as soon as the boss turns their back, they He's go saying, do whatever they, they go be on their phone or they're just taking a nap on their boss or, or uh, you're supposed to get a 15-minute break. You take how long? 20, 25. Yeah. Pushing the envelope, right? He's saying, no, no. Do it as if you're doing it for
1: God. And when you work in that way, when you do things in that way, then you see things in a new light, a new perspective. Well, God
0: is watching. They're probably saying God is watching everybody. Yeah. You gotta be careful. And so <laughs> it is a workplace environment, moral conduct is a code for those who work in. Translated to the 21st century, that's what this is. Masters and bond slaves was the same workforce that we have today. Yeah. Right. If you work in any company, they have a, a supervisor. You are bond servant, and your supervisor is the master. Yeah. nowadays we have so many masters because we have so many levels of supervision and directors and ceos like you that it's kind of hard to get out of it
1: yeah i think it's important to know that in god's eye everyone is equal sure. everyone is equal mm-hmm. but in the way that he has created order for his people for us he's given us this he's a god of order he starts out with the relationship this whole section is talking about our relationship with each other right how would they treat each other husband and wife children and then this is a workforce thing that he's kind of addressing. So it's about relationship and, and he's saying, listen, at the end of the day, everything that you do, do it as if you're doing it for God.
0: Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to talk about this here. There is a biblical of Godly principle that is important. Yeah. Everybody has its calling. Everybody mm-hmm. has its place. Yeah. You should like where God placed you. Yeah. That's I mean, it. Timothy tells us that too, as
1: well. In That's some of it. the places that some were called to be elder, some are called to be this, some are called to do this. It's I, I was it, if even you were right.
0: A... I was going to go to the body. Yeah. If you don't yeah. like to oh, be yeah. the right hand, you wanna be the left hand? Well I'm sorry. Yeah. God put you <laughs> in one side or the other. If you wanna be the hair uh on the head, not the hair in the armpit, I'm sorry. That's not where you're placed. So I think I smell you in there anyway. <laughs> last <laughs> is on because that's children. But like, so like, it, you know, not to be silly here, but it's to be true is that you have been placed in a specific place. You have yeah. been placed in a specific place by God, given by the talents and the gifts that you have. You should be grateful for it. Yeah. Um well, well, not, I mean, n- not to be looking at God like, whoa, whoa, look at Danny. He's the boss and I'm not. Why can I be the boss? And then how can I how can i get Denin not to be the boss anymore so that i can take on his place that's that's yeah. ungratefulness that's crafting that's evil and
1: yeah i mean and then there's a warning to as well in verse 9 he says master guess what do the same yeah that's what yeah <laughs> See, it's 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 like it's not like it's a one-sided thing he says masters do the same Stop stop your threatening knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven Mm-hmm. And there's no partiality with him. No. He doesn't have favorites. No. Everyone's equal.
0: <laughs> well, so bosses shouldn't have a favor. No. Uh, favor. They shouldn't play partiality. Bosses shouldn't shouldn't prefer someone over another.
1: The way you treat everyone should be should be the same in fairness. Mm-hmm. Give everyone the same opportunity. To thrive, yeah. to
0: live their yeah. calling, to exercise their gift and ability. I think I have we got I got enough trouble over there. <laughs> All right, so now we're jumping over to the the second half of this letter. which I, for me is one of the most important biblical passages I, I outside agree. of Jesus yeah what Jesus I, did verses ten to twenty is like
1: yeah well, so the inter- the interesting part about this final section of the letter, it, you have to think of, you have to have an image in mind as you read this, right? And think of the context of the time that Paul was writing. mm -hmm. It's the image of a Roman soldier. And he used this image to explain how Christians are to remain faithful. And he talks about, he finishes, he says, any departure from this, you you will miss getting everything that he's trying to talk about, everything that we have. And it talks about going into battle, right? That's that's what we're talking about, putting on the armor, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. He says that uh, this is a call to be strong, finish strong. Um, not with the strength of, of man, but with the strength of God. And and he repeats this idea over and over. And so so as he talks about that at verse 10, what does verse 10 tell us to do?
0: To rely on God's strength?
1: Rely on God's strength. No, and He says, finally, oh. be strong oh, okay, in the okay, Lord okay, okay. and in the strength of his might. Sure. He starts off this whole section by giving you a place to start. Because what sure. he's going to talk about next is going to be some things that has to do with battle, right? And he talks about the armor and how we're to stand up. And uh, he basically is talking that he's preparing them for war. And not yes, just any yes.
0: war. No. It's a spiritual war. Which so on what you're saying, because I think I think the goal is dependency on the power of God to resist a variety of attacks on the evil one. And I think he's giving you this growth. Uh, not grotesque because it doesn't. he's using really an way.
1: example that would have that would have made sense connect to them, the them really well yeah, yeah it's like he's grabbing their attention right mm-hmm. he wants someone to listen because he says, listen this is serious mm-hmm. and I need you to pay attention right like we were talking today about how can we name how can we come up with an idea that's gonna engage, engage people. people yeah so so he's engaging them right away he says finally be strong in the Lord right mm-hmm. and he says put on the full armor whoa armor you just told me yeah, I'm like I have all these blessings and I I have to be I have to treat one another with Kyle. Now you telling me to go fight? fight? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but he places on what we call a spiritual warfare, right? He yeah. places on on the a, on a spiritual world because his spiritual beings are real. They're yeah. powerful invisible spiritual beings that attack the believers with the intent of hurting them, causing them to lapse into sin or making them ineffective for the purpose of the kingdom of God. And you know, one of the biggest problems Christians have is because they don't see what they don't see, they don't believe. Well, yeah. Well, which the, causes... The, the, out of mind, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Well, but then, well, do you see God?
1: Well, well and, that's, a different, that's, that's a different podcast. Uh, oh, that's a
0: different... Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, well, and, and so that's what I'm saying. So that, here's the thing. If you believe in God, Jesus himself said, uh, blesses those who can't see and believe. Yeah. Remember, when yeah. he talked to David Thomas. Thomas, yeah. So, like, hey, if you can, if you can, blessed those who won't be able to see anything and will believe.
1: Yeah, it's an encouraging verse for the fact because he says that hey, if you see and you believe, how much more blessed will those be who haven't that's seen but yet they
0: believe? That's exactly it. So Christians want to confess, uh, believe in God all the time. That's great. I believe that. But then you don't... you got to believe in the devil, too. That's exactly what I'm trying to, to, you to got talk it. about. You gotta and that's the thing. thing. Everybody wants to believe in heaven, but nobody wants to believe in hell. Right? Everybody wants to believe in blessings, but nobody wants to believe in curse. Everybody wants to believe in good, but nobody wants to believe in evil. Every, so, like, wait, 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 you can't do that. Uh, they go hand in hand. Spiritual beings are... A very real thing: the devil, the evil one, the rulers, the authorities, the world powers, the darkness, the evil spiritual. Those are the language that Paul uses in order to describe this and, reality. And those are the physical
1: means through which the enemy works. true sure. right. Mm-hmm. But then the spiritual one is even more. So Paul is saying you got to be aware of all aspects of it. And you see, because there is not that there is gonna be a battle. There might be a battle. Is there will be a battle. There is a battle. The battle is happening now, today. And it's a battle to the death. Sure. Not your physical death, your mm-hmm. spiritual death. Because yeah. those of us who find ourselves outside of that will of God will be spiritually dead. And and Paul is saying, listen, i have given you guys all this stuff. This first five and a half chapters of this letter. Mm-hmm. But here's the piece you need to hold on to. Mm-hmm. Because everything that I just talked about, all the spiritual blessings, all the blessings, mm-hmm. it's under attack. Sure. It's all under attack. To be stripped away from it. And you need to be ready you need to you need to get gear up and he starts listening to the pieces that they have to put on and he uses the imagery
0: of that soldier getting ready to go battle. so let me make it make let me let me make it scary or maybe in on edge for some people here right so if you're now wearing the the armor of god and you're being tempted on different areas of the arm if you're being attacked in different areas of your life that the armor protects you to, and you are behaving against that which the armor protects you to because you're you're vulnerable because you're not wearing. What happened is that you're being manipulated by the, the enemy in the area of your life. Yeah. Does that make sense? What I'm saying. Uh, yeah. So this armor is important not only because it protects you from the attack of the enemy, allows you to rely on God's power, but keeps you from being manipulated by the enemy in the area of your life. That make I mean think of the basic one. The first thing he says: put on truth. Yes. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you don't have a belief that there's absolute truth, what's the enemy going to tell you?
0: There is not. There, there. It's um, subjective. If, if whatever if, one believes, it doesn't. Doesn't. And, and that comes back to knowing truth. Sure, so that's true. If you don't know truth, then
1: you're open to relative truth, mm-hmm. right? Where you yeah. can make it whatever you want it to be. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. that's what the enemy says.
0: If you can do that. God and, didn't say that. And, he, 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 he tackled, he hit, he even that up in the beginning. Uh, one goes, of the things that Christians don't believe in and tell me, I hear it all the time, is that, you know, there's many ways to heaven. Oh, no. you know there you yeah. know, only yeah. Jesus, you gotta be Jesus. Like, no, there's other ways to go to heaven. God wouldn't be that well. Mm, somebody else is putting that thought in your mind because the g- word of God says there's only one way to heaven. John 14 6, right?
1: I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to me except no one goes to the Father except me. That's exactly it.
0: So you so if you start playing with stuff like that, that means you're not on no longer being uh living in the word, being influenced by God. Your life is determined by the relationship with God. You know what else? What is? The devil. Because there's just two. There's just yeah. God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, and the devil. There's only angels and then demons uh, and, and the spiritual realm. So we need to be very aware of that. That every time we fall into and, uh, to the snare of the enemy, it comes out in our lives. Another thing that I hear people all the time is this concept of karma. Christians believe in karma all the time. Right, it's going to come back to you. Well, no, 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 no. The Bible doesn't believe in karma, but the Bible believes in consequences of your actions and reward and re- consequences for evil actions, for sinful actions, and rewards for godly actions curse or blessing. The Romans chapter 29 28 30 31 you either choose life and get the blessing or choose death and get a curse. Right, there's no karma, there is a progression on your decisions. That will get you the consequences, the curses that come with the bad decisions. Uh, uh, so, someone was telling me the other day about luck, good luck, and bad luck. You know, does Christians believe in good luck or bad luck. I was like, God, oh, no, 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 no. You <laughs> just believe in being prepared through God's word and make good actions, then you can call it good luck. But yes. here, let me translate good luck for you is understanding, being prepared to act godly and making those actions godly, then good things come to you. Act outside of God and make bad decisions, that's called that. Then you can call that bad luck, call, call that bad luck. But Christians don't believe in bad luck. We are prepared to act upon God's word, and good comes towards us. Do the opposite, curse comes towards us. So
1: so, uh, so let me ask a question here, then. That's a, maybe a question that says, hey, if we have victory in Christ, why do we got to battle? Uh, you know, we we don't fight for victory; we fight from victory. Mm-hmm. We have victory in Christ, right? So wh- why do we have to have this battle if if the enemy is already defeated? Why entertainment? <laughs> you know, well, there is an initial victory, right? Sure, there's an initial victory which has been won, and we are in this period of inauguration. The enemy is trying to lure others away from from God's path, right? Verse ten, where he says, "You know, be strong and stand in the Lord." It's a it's, it's a callback to Isaiah fifty nine. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times so far in, in the passage has has, has has we heard Paul talking about the, the trickery of the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. The devil's trickery. Paul says, take up God's complete armor. You need to prepare ahead of time. And he gives us all those pieces that, that makes up the armor, right? But we have to stand firm in the truth because the enemy, even though he's defeated, he knows that his time is limited. You and I, we see, we see time in this in this linear stance, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, here it is. We have like next day, next day, next day, right? The enemy knows mm-hmm. he's defeated. He's yeah. just, he's, he's living on borrowed time, yes. right? You mm-hmm. know, I said that in the uh, Bible study that we did. Yes, He's lost. The mm-hmm. only power that he has is the power that you give him. When you don't, when you don't hold on to God's truth, you give him the power to manipulate you through lies. Mm-hmm. When you don't hold on to God's word, God, when you don't, you don't spread the gospel. You are not doing what God has called us to do. When well, you don't put on the breastplate. when you don't have your shield. when you don't have your helmet to protect. To know that, yes, even though I'm going through trials, I need to remember that my salvation is in Christ. Not mm-hmm. the trials that I'm going through. Sure. And that now I'm going to turn my back on, well, I don't really believe what God had for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really have victory. I don't really have victory because, you know, I don't feel... I'm going through this trial right now. That's not what he's saying. He's, he's saying that you need to hold on. You need to fight because
0: the enemy is like... He just keeps coming and coming well for, yeah I love that analogy I uh, can, can maybe expand that a little bit more into yeah. say that that is, is not only concerned to us it is also concerning to lives mm-hmm. right Jesus has won the war we are on Jesus camp but there is a lot of people still to be won before the final the final event of this war takes place right? Uh, yeah. There is a lot of wounded people in the war, there is a lot of lost people in this war, there is a lot of people st- on the opposite side of this war that, that can have their mind changed. The victorious camp has already been declared, yeah. but the amount of people that can be part of that, that camp has not already been reached. And I think that's that's one of the, the perspectives that we ought to have as followers of Jesus, that. You know, God has given us this armor to protect us so that we would go out and bring into the victorious camp those who accept the message of salvation. And I think there is a a salvation soteriology aspect of this year, salvation aspect of this year, that sometimes we don't talk about. Has Jesus won? Yes. Is the enemy defeated? Yes. The war is over, for sure. But there are still people in the between, That needs to be won, that has to be brought into the to the kingdom of God and the the kingdom of victory. And and it's our job to wear the armor, to go into the enemy lines and bring these lives into the victorious camp for Jesus Christ. There is this perspective that sometimes I like to take into that. It's like, okay, yes it is over, but there are still lives needing to to realize the victory that Jesus has won, so that they can be part of that, we we miss on that. We we think sometimes we think about this just so much on a personal level, on a my me level that we forget to think about. You know what? There are other people out there who hasn't who does not know that Jesus won the battle. Yeah. They they they, do, they don't have their uh, understanding. Uh, And so they can't live victorious life because they don't they don't even know they don't even know about uh, Some people don't even know the war was fought and that (laughs) Jesus won They are in the enemy camp and they have no idea that there's something better out there And as soon as we tell them there's something better they flock right into Jesus I think we can't take that aspect of it for granted.
1: Yeah I think one of the things that you know as we as we recall back at the beginning of this this letter Paul's talking about listen we have, we have blessings, every spiritual blessing, right? Those spiritual blessings come under attack because there's a spiritual war. Right? It's very easy to fight the battle that you can see. But sure. you can't fight the battle that you can't see, but it is happening. Whether you believe it or not, I think that's what you're saying. Whether mm-hmm. you believe that there's a battle happening or not, the truth of the matter is God's word tells us is there is a battle happening. Mm-hmm. The enemy uses all the tools that he can. He uses, Paul talks about principalities and all these different things. But then there's a battle for your soul. That the enemy is also waging war against you. And the less and less that we take up the spiritual armor. Just like we, we want the spiritual blessings. Yeah. But we don't want the spiritual armor to fight. To protect to the protect blessing, for blessings.
0: To protect the spiritual battle. Yes. Who's uh, trying to get? A, he's trying, yeah, to steal our yeah, blessings.
1: Steal our blessings. So for those of us who have recognized that. And if we, mm. don't guard, we don't guard ourselves with the truth. We don't put on this armor. If we don't go out Proactively. To your point, to to raise awareness to those who are who are blinded, who are asleep in the battle, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, he even talks about a rise or sleeper in the other passages. Yeah, yeah. And God light shine on you. So, like, that's our job. And as we go into those engagement, right, we're going to be attacked. Yeah. Because we're going to be, in a sense, lack of a better word, winning souls for Christ. Like, in a sense of, like, sharing the gospel, mm-hmm. right? Telling others about the great things that happened, mm-hmm. waking them up and say, "Listen, you're in a battle, mm-hmm. and you need to you need to acknowledge that you're in a battle first and foremost, and recognize that you have to be prepared. You have to be equipped. Like you got up this morning, right? You had to put clothes on to come out, right? You got to get ready for your day. Yeah, just so you get ready for your day, you have to get ready because the enemy is going to attack. He's relentless, mm-hmm. and Jesus hasn't come back yet." Right? No, yeah. Uh, when that day comes, his final defeat is, is secured for sure. But mm-hmm. well, he's trying to take as much people as he can with it. Right? Yeah.
0: And, and and Paul says like I'm ambassador of this mystery. He's the ambassador of the victory message. He's like yeah. I need to declare that boldly. So I have been given this uh, task of proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the mystery, uh the mystery of God in, in Ephesians is that there's no more division. Uh, between race between sex between there's one in Jesus Christ. for those who are in Christ they are all children of God Gentiles were not children of God but Paul is like saying no, no 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 no. the devil has no more hold over their lives they can move change camps they can come to the camp of God and I'm a, a ambassador of this mystery
1: yeah and then uh, he he even tells them like as we wrap up the, the letter here mm-hmm. he uh, in his final greetings he goes just so you know that there is a battle going on, mm-hmm. here's a condition of where I'm at, mm-hmm. right? You yeah. Take it from, from Tychus, right? Yeah. Take it from him. And and Paul begins his letter by, by pronouncing a prayer of thanksgiving, right? Yeah. He's going to end this letter with a blessing. And in the blessing, he he in the end, he, he says the faith and peace and love that comes from the Me Father, mm-hmm. right? He's connecting. He's completing the connection between God and his children,
0: mm. Mm, See that's a key that. word
1: right there, and as he concludes his prayers that this relationship, it was planned before time began, mm. right, and it will now continue mm. until the time has come. You know, don't want to give too much from my sermon. I'm preaching oh, this, preaching, preaching on this, this, on this, yeah. on this chapter. Yeah. But I think I think there are some lessons that we can we can get from from th- from this in our in our in our whole study of the letter. Here is that you know these are our blessings. Everything Paul talked about at the beginning is for us. We all have blessings secured in heaven for us by God. It's our responsibility. It's our obligation. The Holy Spirit through Paul, that Paul tells us about, he, he speaks to us about unity, righteousness, faithfulness. And these things of God continue in us today. Mm-hmm. It's our battle. We have to be strong. We have to yeah. remain standing, mm-hmm. put on the armor, because each one of us goes on the battle each and every day. Because there's a war waging, an evil war in mm-hmm. very high places, spiritual places. and mm-hmm. We must be prepared.
0: Well, man, I think you got it covered. Any final, any final words there? For me, it would be this God's power is truly available to His people. Yeah. If it is through the Holy Spirit, through our identity in Christ, through the blessings, through the Holy Spirit, through the armor of God, then we really have God's power on our side. And we have every right given by God to use that power in order to be a soldier for Him. In not only withstanding against the forces of the enemy, but also into reaching those who are far away from Christ, into coming into know who He is. That that'll be mine. What is yours, finally? You
1: this whole letter has been very, um, you know, engaged. It's very, if you look at it from the beginning to end, Paul is just how he writes, how he puts it together. He's very all inclusive. Just on this final letter it's, so this final chapter itself, he's. It basically ends what I feel which, to what you said at the beginning. We started talking about this section is one of the most important section of passages that the Bible has to give us. That's yeah, um, that
0: one of my favorite. And
1: uh, if you if you get a chance, check out the sermon. it's be a little bit more in depth about this. That kind of talks a little bit more about each of these pieces of the armor. Uh, but that's all I had. We have one more.
0: We yep. have one more podcast with the answers and questions. And yeah, answers. we'll look,
1: take a look at questions and answers and see uh, if we have anything to kind of talk about. If you have questions, uh, as always, as you're going through these ones, maybe, maybe with some back from, from chapter one, uh, feel free to drop us those, uh, those questions. Sam and I will address it in the next one. And just to wrap up the series, we'll probably just do a little thing too as well, but. As we said before, we always sign off. Thank you guys for joining us. We're so humbled that you, you're choosing to yep. listen to this. Yes, um, yes. We're so grateful that God has given us the opportunity to, to be on this platform, to continue to bring God's word to you, to help you see it the way that God intended to. Amen. Um, so we're thankful that we get that opportunity to hang out with you guys for an hour or so each week. Until next time. Be blessed. Be blessed. Have a good one, everyone.